It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me in a little bit, we're going to have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski, to talk about some stories in our spring issue. But before we get there, let's talk to MLB.com's Brian Hoke, who's down in Tampa, on uh, what he's seeing. Brian, how you doing? Hey, John. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great, Brian. And, you know, I'm, I always enjoy talking to you. I'd say that usually when the calendar hits the last week of February, I look more forward to speaking to you in person than on the phone. This is a bit of a bummer this year to have to be doing it this way because I want to be in Tampa. But what can you do? Yeah, no, I hear you. But at least we have the Zooms and I've been seeing you every day on the Zoom and we're getting to talk to a lot of interesting people. So, um, you know, we're making the best out of it. But I think we're all getting, I guess, used to this new brave new world, but also kind of antsy for things to go back to way that the way that they were. And that's what I want to talk to you about, obviously, because, yeah, we are getting a little bit used to it. And most days I remember to close the door that's right behind me to my wife's closet so that I don't have to, you know, have <laughs> all the people on the Yankee Zoom room looking at my wife's closet. But yeah, it's just stupid things like this. I wonder how used to it I want to get, <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I would kind of rather not get used to this. Right. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, um, you know, I guess in, in my case, uh, being back at Steinbrenner Field, like it's completely different from what it was last year when things shut down on March 12th. But it's still the same building and, and a lot of the players are the same. And so, um, you know, just getting to see them on the field the first few days, uh, it's been that touch of normalcy where it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember how spring training is. And uh, even though it's different than any spring training I've ever covered, at least you know, it's Florida and there's sunshine and there's baseball. And, um, you know, given what the last 12 months have looked like, that's a pretty good trade. We'll take that. Yeah, it is. And I, of course, anyone who's on Twitter has noticed that you have really substantially upped the photo game. You know, I mean, I think we're a few years back now from uh, the old era of the spring training twit picks that everyone loved making fun of baseball beat writers for. But man, you're coming in hot this year with a long lens and a good camera, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I upgraded my equipment a little bit. And I guess part of that is because we're not going to have that intimate up close access. Like I'm not allowed on the field like I normally would be to watch batting practice. So I figured that if I'm going to be up in the stands watching it, I mean, just first of all, for my own kind of coverage purposes, I, I need to be able to see what's going on down there on the field. But also, um, you know, once I started looking into things and 
the price of technology has really come down. Like you can get an amazing camera for not as much as it used to be. And so, um, yeah, investing a little money into it, but I'm having fun taking the pictures and hopefully people are enjoying, um, you know, what I've been able to put out there on, on Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. I think we can uh, send Ari Goldman Hecht uh, back to New York and just keep you down there working for us for free. How does that sound? <laughs> right. Well, just call me Didi Gregorius, I guess. And, um, you know, we'll move on. <laughs> uh, of course, I can look at your Twitter feed. Like I said, I can look at your Instagram stories and get a sense of it. But I'd, I'd love if you would just describe a little bit because, you know, you and I, as we talk, it's easy to just, you know, in our heads, isolate the things that are different. But for people who aren't used to what it normally looks like, can you explain what's different this year? Um, well, the, I was watching them uh, put in the zip ties today to kind of ensure social distancing. It looks like there will be fans that the next time the Yankees play will be on Sunday. And so there will be fans in the building at Steinbrenner field for that. Um, it may be 2000 or so. I, I that's just me guessing, but um, I, I know that, you know, I figured that was probably going to happen considering the Super Bowl just happened. They were able to have what 20,000 people there uh, for that. And that's right across the street from where the Yankees are playing. So I, I kind of figured Florida was going to allow that. And that was going to be a real thing, but you walk into the ballpark and there's now hand sanitizer stations everywhere and everything is, um, you know, kind of segmented and uh, secured access and things are roped off. And um, so it's a different atmosphere. I, I am curious to see what it's going to look like when fans are back in the building, but even now um, you know, there's a limited area where I can go. We can't go down on the uh, main level where the players walk or, into the clubhouse. So we're still not there yet for that, but at least being back in the ballpark and getting to see what's going on, um, you know, that's a, a great deal better than it was when it was what April and they closed Steinbrenner Field and the guys were still working out there. But, and we were just on the sidewalk for a while guessing what was going on in there and hoping somebody would post something on Instagram. So, like I said, it's been a wild year. And, um, you know, the first time I walked back into Steinbrenner Field, it, it felt cool it was kind of like oh we made it and i know we we've turned a corner i guess we're not at the finish line but um it, it started to feel more normal when i walked in there and i think it's worth pointing out also and, and i mean i don't i don't mean to speak for you but i'm fairly certain you agree with this this is going to be a year about a lot of what's not there and, and, and the ways that we have to change what we do but i think the yankees pr team and you could Take me with a grain of salt because I work for the Yankees, but I think I, I hope you know I'm genuine when I say this. The Yankees PR team deserves a lot of credit for the way that they have created a system that has been pretty effective and efficient thus far. I can tell you it's been effective and efficient for me in New Jersey being able to cover the team. And it seems like, you know, they're making a, a difficult situation down there as good as it can possibly be. I mean, you know, for, for fans who don't understand this right now, usually, you know, the Yankees have three fields going around this time of year, but they're all connected and it's all very easy to move from one to the other. And Steinbrenner Field is one of actually the smaller uh, spring training complexes if you look around the league. Well, now they have the pitchers over at the minor league facility and they have the the pitchers and catchers, I should say, and they have the um, hitters at GMS Field. And while if you look at a map, those are pretty close. It's like across like a eight lane road um <laughs> you know you can't just walk from one to the other i think everyone needs golf carts but i i've been impressed i would just say and i know how crazy the hours they're working um the way that the the yankees pr folks have just tried to make it work because it's not easy 
Yeah, for sure. And Jason Zillow and his team have done a, a really admirable job ever since this all started. I mean, kind of dealing with challenges that nobody ever could have anticipated. And uh, yeah, I should have mentioned these split camps in this case. That's something that, um, you know, once in a while, I remember going over to the minor league complex to watch like an Andy Pettit throw in a sim game against some minor league kids. And, but um, to have them, the pitchers and catchers stay at minor league camp and they're working out on those four diamonds. And then you've got the position players at Steinbrenner field. And so they're the infield and outfield groups are there um, to have a full squad workout where the full squad doesn't occupy the same building. That's uh, that's something that has never happened at Yankee camp before. And um, so when, when games start, when you can start to get, obviously we're going to have to get the pitchers and catchers and ball players and the position players together. So that that's only got a few more days to go and then they'll uh, figure out a way to, to keep social distance and might have to tell some guys you can't come in today. You know, it, it's not your day to play. You're not coming in. Um, they're pulling it off so far. The workouts have seemed to be pretty good. Aaron Boone has been happy with uh, what they've been able to get done, but you're right in that for example, Booney was saying he does. He likes to be able to bounce from field to field. And when half your team's across the highway, it's it's kind of tough to just kind of drop everything and say, hey, a roll to Chapman's throwing a bullpen. Let me go check that out. Everything is just scheduled so carefully during spring training, even though there's so much going on. And sometimes it looks a little bit like chaos. It really they do know where everyone is at the time. But there's just so much like thought that I feel like has to go into this year for the coaches, just how they're going to be in the different places. <laughs> yeah. I don't envy Carlos Mendoza, who's the who puts together the uh, the chart every day of where everybody's supposed to be and when. So the story of spring training so far, of course, is the gas station. Um, you know, and, and again, this is like a I want to be careful when I talk to you that I don't just like make assumptions that people understand what we're used to. What we're used to when it comes to pitchers throwing bullpens is getting down on our knees, essentially, to look under a tarp that covers a fence so that you can see into the bullpen where they'd be throwing. And that's how it used to be. And now, unfortunately, besides the fact that you guys are many feet away uh, from where the actual bullpens are, it's actually totally in a closed closed off room where they have, you know, all the technology to launch launch a space shuttle, essentially, and also hopefully prepare big league pitchers. That's the idea. That's the hope. And they may be you know, sending some spaceships up into space too. Who knows? It's Florida, we just right? don't know, so, Brian. We just don't yeah, know. Yeah, we, we, we don't know what's in there. But um, to kind of explain this in terms of Yankee Stadium, if you visualize this, um, so we're standing somewhere around where the first base dugout would be. And this barn, basically, this large blue barn is behind the left field foul pole, if you kind of picture Yankee Stadium in your mind. So um, even if it wasn't enclosed, I would have a tough time seeing what Garrett Cole or Jordan Montgomery are working on in there from that distance. But um, with the the large blue walls, um, there's just no way you can kind of get in get a bird's eye viewer there or kind of take a look. So it, it makes it a little tougher in that regard. But the, the trade-off is that not only for the big league team, but for all the prospects who are going to come once the big league team breaks camp, they're going to get to play in this. I, I called it a Willy Wonka wonderland of technology. Like they've got all the Rapsodos and the TrackMan and everything. And, the, you know, probably like eight or nine cameras on every single pitcher, every single pitch that's thrown uh, gets chronicled and fed to the data guys. And so 
there's a lot of numbers coming out of there. And, and I think that's a really good comparison to call it NASA, um, what's going on in there, because they're, they're super high tech. And, um, yeah, they are just um, it's a mystery what's going on in there. We've, we've got a little sliver of it, but I know that Kevin Reese and uh, the minor league side, the player development people, they are very excited about what that's going to mean for the future of Yankee pitching. I mean, here's the thing, Brian, like this year you invested in a, you know, a better camera. I think spring training 2022 is when you show up with a thermal uh, camera <laughs> to, to be able to get like, you know, heat uh, images of the players coming down there. Um, that might be a good idea. We were kind of joking about getting a drone to hover it over there so we could get some better shots. But I think that um, with the TPA, the Tampa International flight approach, that might be a federal crime or something. I'm not sure. So maybe somebody out there in the uh, the listening world can tell me if that's legal or not. Yeah, I don't know what would be the worst punishment for someone in your position, uh, dealing with the Federal Aviation Authorities or dealing with uh, Jason Zillow <laughs> taking your credential away. <laughs> I don't think either one would be very happy, put it that way. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's been fun, obviously, like I said, because I'm here. And what I have to say today, we're recording this on Wednesday. I think it's about like 52 degrees here in New Jersey today. So if you know Congrats. what we've been dealing That's with great. for the last like three weeks, this is midsummer weather. Um, but you know, it, it has been good, uh, obviously getting to not just chat with the players, but also see all the writers and everything like that is as we kind of each get our moment in the spotlight in the zoom room. I'm curious, you know, obviously I don't want to make light of anything uh, today. There was the very, you know, difficult, uh, press conference with Domingo Herman, obviously that, that went down. But other than that, what are some of the storylines that you've picked up on so far? Um, I, I think it's the additions of the new pitchers. That's what's uh, most compelling to me. And, um, you know, it can Corey Kluber reclaim his two-time Cy Young Award winning form? Like, what is he going to be? The, what is jo- uh, Jameson Tyone going to be when he comes and uh, joins this rotation? And we know the talent is there. He was a first-round pick. And um, just, you know, with the injury history, hasn't been able to put it all together. And how uh, how do the Yankees help him get to that point? I know that uh, Tyone is close with Garrett Cole. That's his buddy from their Pittsburgh days. And, you know, I got a chance to talk with uh, not only Jameson, but Jordan Tyone, who is his older brother. And he's a um, a doctor on the front lines of the COVID fight down in Fort Myers, Florida, a pulmonologist. And so just kind of getting into that, that was uh, probably one of my favorite stories that I've written so far this spring. Well, you certainly beat me to the punch on the story about Tyone and his brother. That was I was going to bring that up because that was truly wonderful, and I hope everyone will check it out. Uh, one thing that I guess it still surprises me a little, maybe it shouldn't, maybe I have to just move on and not be surprised. Everyone knew that Garrett Cole was a smart and an interesting and a nice person, obviously. I did not expect that in year two, he would still be doing 30-minute uh, – <laughs> You know, sit down to the media anytime he shows up in that room. It is unbelievable how much he is willing to just open up and not feeling like, okay, I, you know, I signed my deal. I don't really have to do this anymore. I'll, I'll do the stuff I'm that's required of me and then move on. I mean, I, I every time he shows up, I'm like, okay, great. I get to learn a lot about pitching now from one of the best pitchers in baseball. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's not just the fact that he's willing to speak, which is great, but he's willing to share his knowledge. And I think that's one of the things that Aaron Boone has talked a lot about and the other pitchers, even the position players have talked about that. This is a guy who's just a baseball nut. He studies baseball on a different level than I think a lot of us do. And 
um, just sees the game, sees so much, has so much knowledge to share, and uh, especially with younger players, but even with veterans who come by his locker and ask a question about like, hey, why did you throw a change up here? Or, you know, in what situation do you like to throw your slider? He's very open with his teammates and he's been um, he's been that presence now for a year. And uh, I think uh, this is just who Garrett Cole is. This is who I think we can bank on seeing over the next eight years in pinstripes. And it's a heck of a pickup, not just for the Yankees and for what he provides in the rotation, but what he provides in that clubhouse. And, um, you know, I don't know if anybody cares about this, but. Uh, as a B reporter covering the team, I'm appreciative of it, too, that somebody is in there and uh, giving thoughtful quotes and actually m- helping me learn about baseball, which I every time Gary gets in front of that Zoom microphone, I learn something I didn't know 20 minutes earlier. Absolutely. And look, maybe it's pandering. Maybe it's not. You ask Aaron Boone what he misses. And he said he missed the media in the clubhouse. I don't think he actually misses the media. But the point he made was that he misses the buzz of, you know, just being kind of around a lot of people and the fact that, you know, you, you always know, maybe it's harder sometimes to understand if you spend all your time on the Yankees beat, but you you go into the Royals clubhouse, and I'm not knocking the Royals at all, but you go into the Royals clubhouse, and there's a writer or two in there. You go into the Yankees clubhouse, and there's always news being made in there at all times, and I think that I'm sure that most writers, if we're doing our job well, don't really know how different this is than what we're used to getting because, yeah, we're getting access to all the players every day. And like I said, the PR team's doing a great job. But baseball writing has always been so unique because we always were used to the most access in a sense. You know, we would get all that time in the clubhouse where most of what we were doing was planting seeds for future stories and kind of just keeping our ears open and our eyes open to try to figure out what to do. Whereas this year, again, like, I mean, if they bring into the Zoom room three new pitchers, on a Monday, you can be sure that the stories you're going to be reading on Tuesday are about the three new pitchers. Well, yeah, it's it's a challenge for sure. Um, and, and you know, from my understanding, that's kind of what it's like to cover the NFL, where they say, yep. "All right, Monday, but Monday's your quarterback day," and you know, Tuesday you'll get the offensive line coach, and Wednesday you'll get you know the defense. And um, so, you know, I think it's it's more structured in that way. Baseball, the great thing about baseball is it's an everyday sport. And as such, um, you know, especially during the regular season, you have different storylines that you want to pursue and uh, that you have the freedom to, to pursue. And that's one of the great things, especially about uh, B reporting is that you're around these guys every single day and you're seeing them. Um, you know, this is definitely the time of year where you get to to know guys and uh, build those relationships. And so I miss that one-on-one interaction. You know, if I just have a silly question that I want to go ask Aaron Judge, I'm not probably going to do it on a Zoom with 25 people there. I think it's self-interested. Obviously, I know I know that we, you know, we, we both do have a dog in the fight, obviously, but it is simply there is going to be less of a level of intrigue in the stories that we're able to get with a lot of these new players because we don't have the relationships. We're not going to have the trust with them. And it's going to take a long, it's going to, you know, you can't get a real true. I mean, look, Jamison Tyone seems like one of the nicest people I've ever covered in baseball. He's funny. He's charming. But at the same time, you know, in the two questions that I've asked him in his three pressers or whatever, I don't think that he has a sense of who I am or if I'm a joker or if I'm legit or anything like that. And I think that's just going to be something <laughs> we're all dealing with. And and hopefully we do the best we can. So before I let you go, what's uh what's going on with your book right now? Where are you in the editing process and the and all, and all that fun stuff? Yeah, we're coming really close to the finish line. The, the book is called The Bronx Zoom. It's coming out 
uh, early June, Triumph Books is publishing it. And it's, you know, behind the scenes with uh, the 2020 Yankees, this crazy year that we've all kind of lived through. And you and I have spoken about it here. Garrett Cole wrote a great forward for the book and um, just got a lot of really cool nuggets about what it took to pull off a 60 game season in a pandemic. I know it didn't end with a world series championship, but it was such a triumph just to even get to the finish line for MLB and for the Yankees and um, to play this kind of remarkable season in the backdrop of a pandemic and um, you know, with the social justice movement going on and a presidential election and um, the guys really stuck together as a unit, they bonded. And I think that, you know, it's what, teams were able to do behind the scenes to they didn't have anybody else they couldn't really see their families or anything so these guys spent a lot of time you know one of my favorite things in there is about how they had a a ping pong set up at the team hotel and brett gardner was just like the hustler like Gardy is really good at ping pong and he's really competitive and uh, tyler wade was telling me that he tried like heck to beat Gardy and he just couldn't do it and um, it was just driving him nuts all year and so Gardy, if if you ever get the chance to play ping pong against Gardy, do not put money on it because he will wreck you and take you to school that's what i learned these these are great tips uh, and I, I appreciate you letting me know that i will say um this is maybe is one edit i i feel terrible pointing this out in public um there actually was a world series championship last year it was simply not the yankees who won it but rest assured there was there was a champion crown i'm I don't not know if sure you know or not. i i that that um, that did not cross my desk. You know, as far as I heard, everything ended in game five of the American League Division Series. So um, I'll have to go back and do a little more research, I guess. Well, Brian, as always, thank you so much for taking the time. It really it, it means a lot, I know, to me, but also to our listeners to get to hear a little bit of insight into what it is like on the ground. And this is a year when I can't provide that level of insight. So thank you for helping. Well, anytime, John, you know, uh, my phone is always on. So give me a call. So when we come back, we will have Nathan McAborski to discuss the spring issue of Yankees Magazine, which is on sale this Sunday during the first game at George M. Steinbrenner Field of the 2021 spring training season. So we'll see you then. Brian, thanks so much again. You got it. Take care. Hi, this is Gleyber Torres. You are listening to Yankees Magazine podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. As promised, joining me right now is our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. Nate, how you doing? I'm good. It's it's a little strange, I have to say, watching the news coming in from Tampa, talking to Brian about it just now, all, all that fun stuff that we get excited about, and also, you know, selfishly, knowing that I'm just not going to see it this year. It's a little hard. It's, it's definitely part of the calendar of the baseball season that I just always look forward to so much. And I know it's a, there are bigger problems in the world than me not getting a trip to Tampa, but spring training is something that's very special in my heart and not seeing it this year. It's, it's different. Yeah. You know, I, I feel the same way, you know, I'm certainly super excited that baseball's back and we're going to start to see some spring training games here soon. Um, But like you, I mean, spring training uh, has become, I mean, for me, it's, 
although it's a work trip and I'm always, you know, doing a ton of stuff when I go down there in February or March, um, you know, it's a bit of a reward for, for all the, the hard work we put in throughout the rest of the year. And, um, you know, for me, like I, I covered baseball for, for many years before uh, being invited down there. So I've only gone, I think, maybe three or four times, 2020 being the most recent. So, uh, yeah, it certainly has become part of my annual uh, routine, something that I look forward to a ton. Um, it's just such a great atmosphere down there. I really love Tampa, um, especially in the middle of winter, uh, leaving New Jersey and getting down there. It's always certainly a, a welcome experience. But, uh, you know, we'll have to put that on hold for another year. And, uh, you know, hopefully next year we'll both be back. That's for sure. Obviously, look, it's kind of funny because – you mentioned, you know, the games are starting this weekend and it's always, you know, so much fun in, in a lot of ways to, to get to start seeing uh, the team on the field again. And, you know, always that first game, especially when they're actually wearing the pinstripes and things like that. And I think that's a good segue to the story that you have in the Spring Magazine, which, of course, as usual, goes on sale right around that date of that first game, because what you did was look at what happened in the offseason? You know, we spend so much time thinking about the 2020 season and we spend so much time thinking about the 2021 season. Your job was to document that kind of purgatory, if you will. And it was a really weird one because for so much of the time involved, nothing was happening. And then there was the time when the only thing that was happening was kind of re-signing players that had been there before. And then finally, in kind of like that last one to two week stretch, as you were getting ready to finish this story, it's like, okay, here are some new players. Here's Jameson Tayo and here's Corey Kluber. Okay, now we can write uh, some stuff that uh, is not just about the same guys that were here in 2020. That's exactly right, John. Um, you know, we are definitely excited about the fact that uh, the spring training program is hurtling south on I-95 as we speak and, and will be uh, available at at Steinbrenner Field uh, starting, you know, on the first game on Sunday. So, and yeah, you know, I kind of uh, had to patiently wait for, for things to, to happen. But, you know, like everybody else, the big one was, of course, DJ LeMahieu. You know, I mean, all off from the, from the final pitch of 2020, you know, as soon as it was over, everybody was just like, all right, you know, we got to bring LeMahieu back. When are we re-signing LeMahieu? And uh, when that finally happened, Boom. There, there's the main part of the story right there. And um, but then, yeah, it's, you know, right after that, we were able to, uh, you know, talk to Corey Kluber and Jamison Tyone a little bit. And I know I, for one, am really excited to watch those two guys work this year. I think, uh, you know, obviously they both have have dealt with uh, some injury issues the last couple of years, but it wasn't that long ago that these guys were both really they could be elite. I mean, Kluber, obviously, we saw him enough times uh, facing us, facing the Yankees as a member of the Indians. We saw what he can do. Um, but Tyone's a really interesting guy. I'm really excited to watch him. And then, you know, of course, uh, <laughs> when you make a monthly magazine, you deal with stuff like this all the time where we talk about a guy, uh, Greg Allen in there who got DFA'd and uh, you know, there's no mention of Brett Gardner in there because he signed after we had already gone to press. And so, you know, that's always a little bit disappointing when when you do a story about offseason moves and then things shake out the way they do after you've already kind of put the book to bed. Um, but that's just the way it goes. And I think our our readers understand that. I think that we do a good job of documenting the entirety of the Greg Allen era of the New York Yankees. Um, <laughs> I think that we will become the definitive resource on, on that period in history. <laughs> no, but it's, it, it, it's just fun. And it's, 
obviously it's uh, again i can't keep repeating the same thing it's not the same as being there it's not the same as watching the bullpens although the impression i'm getting this year is that most of the bullpens are happening behind closed doors in the gas station right now where yeah. the yankees have all the technology of norad essentially as, as they try to build big league pitchers you know that was one thing that i found really interesting and it, it made me go back a couple of years to a story I did with um, then Yankees pitching coordinator Danny Burrell. And obviously the Yankees for a long time have been very interested in, I don't want to say dependent on, because I think that that's a unfair statement, but they, but they really do um, use just a ton of technology. And when I was doing the story with Danny, who's now the pitching coach at Georgia Tech, he was showing me all the technology and how it worked and things like that. But he was also very clear in explaining that the Yankees' philosophy on pitching, as he put it, is that everything begins at the plate. And what that means is, you know, they're going to document exactly how you're doing everything and they're going to figure out, you know, how your arm motion is contributing to the spin and whatever. But what they're really interested in is what it looks like when it gets to the plate. Because mm -hmm. if you have a little herky jerky delivery, something that doesn't really make sense, but for some reason it's deceiving hitters and it's really working. They don't want to change that. They don't want to make it, you know, the way that the books tell you it should look like. They want to rely on what's effective. And I think that the reason I bring that up right now, besides for just obviously the intrigue about the gas station and things like that, is another signing that didn't make it into the story, but Darren O'Day, who, for all the focus, if you will, on the gas station and on heat and on all these things, then you have Darren O'Day come in there with a fastball that, you know, I think maybe could bruise you if it hit you in the stomach. Maybe not. Um, throw in I don't know, John. When, when's the last time you took an 88-mile-an-hour fastball to the rib cage? I, mean, I, I think that's going to leave a enough. mark. It wouldn't feel great, but I, I think I would choose that, I guess, over Garrett Cole, perhaps. But, I, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but that's, that's the point I'm making is, like, you know, we can all talk about the gas station. We can get into all this stuff as where the Yankees are as they prepare for 2021, but also a key part of the team's success this year is going to be this funky side armor who maybe cracks 88, like you said. Yeah, you're right, John. I, I was always mesmerized watching O'Day pitch uh, in any of his previous stops. I mean, it's hard to hit any major league pitching, I would imagine, but I mean, a guy who throws, uh, like you said, in one of your pieces, seemingly from the third base bag, um, <laughs> I just, I, I, I feel sorry for the right-handed batters who have to face him. And getting back to, to Jamison Tyone for a moment, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm really interested to watch him pitch because he talked about how after undergoing Tommy John for a second time, he decided like real wholesale changes were in order to his delivery. He basically stripped it all down and completely revamped the way he throws. And he described it as being a little more compact of a delivery. I guess before it was a little more whippy. Now it's, he's going to be a little tighter, but he claims that he's, you know, still, able to reach the same velocity. That's one of the guys who, who I'll certainly be watching uh, this spring and, and, you know, if all goes well, hopefully uh, he has a great regular season uh, here with the Yankees in 2021. But yeah, I, I mean, there's a, a lot of uh, what I talk about in the story is just, uh, you know, kind of looking forward to, to what these guys can potentially bring to the team this season. It's a, it, it's, going to be a fascinating thing to watch certainly all spring and like you said i can't wait for april 1st when we can really watch it when it matters one of the interesting things about this story and this offseason is that much of the story of the yankees 2020 to 2021 offseason is about some of the players who aren't on the team obviously you know you can't tell the story of you know the yankees rebuilt pitching staff without talking about 
Masir Tanaka not being here and, and both what that means just as whether he was a number two or number three starter or certainly for years a, a number one starter, but also just such a beloved guy in the room, such a funny guy, such a fun guy, such a nice guy. And I think that the the other thing that has to be addressed kind of is the division has changed a lot. There were a lot of moves around the Yankees that will impact the Yankees' fortunes this year. There's no question. I mean, the Rays always kind of find a way, and you know, you're you're crazy to <laughs> think that they are doing anything other than improving themselves somehow. But I don't know. I'd rather face them without Blake Snell than with Blake Snell. And obviously, the Red Sox tore everything down. And and you figure that a team that you play 19 times a year. I'm not saying it's easy to go into Fenway and win, but it is easier now than maybe two years ago. Baltimore is improving, but I don't think they're there yet. So that just leaves the Blue Jays, who got way better. And, and the Blue Jays had an amazing offseason. And it, it, it just, like I said, uh, you know, you, you you could talk about the offseason by talking about, you know, bringing back DJ LeMahieu and bringing back Brett Gardner. And those are things that shouldn't change the, you know, focus of the team too much because we're, those are very familiar faces. Tyone and Kluber should be great if they can pitch. But I think the bigger thing is 19 games against the Orioles, Red Sox, and Rays each, who should simply be a lot worse. That could really help the Yankees. Should be. Can't predict baseball, can you, John? Nope. nope. <laughs> Won't do it. <laughs> I, I've, I've been proven uh, wrong so many times by making predictions here on this podcast that I'm not even going to attempt to uh, to do it. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the Yankees – They've been right there the last few years and the moves that they made this off season, obviously it wasn't like a rebuild or a wholesale different, you know, different looking team this year. Uh, a few different pieces were moved in and out of the bullpen, you know, out of, uh, is no longer here. Canely, obviously, um, you know, they bring in O'Day, like we said, resign Britain, um, which is obviously huge. And, um, you know, the loss of Tanaka, I think, is like you, like you alluded to, is, is a big one, uh, not just on the field, but off. And that really kind of uh, – I felt like I had to mention that in the, in the story um, in talking about the Yankees offseason. Um, I was really kind of uh, taken by the way uh, his teammates and his manager spoke about him after he decided to return to Japan um, just in such glowing terms. You know, DJ, when uh, he did his initial – meeting with reporters um, after re-signing. Uh, he, he, he didn't even, he wasn't even asked about Tanaka, but he made a point to speak about him uh, before even taking any questions. So I, I thought that spoke volumes about the type of teammate that Masahiro was. And from our perspective, I know, uh, you know, we probably both agree that it's, it's certainly a loss in terms of a storytelling uh, aspect because Masa was just such a, uh, such a unique character, he, just such a, a deep well there of, of stories to tell. And uh, looking back at his history in Japan and then what he accomplished here, um, he's just so highly revered uh, in both countries. And for good reason, uh, he was a lot of fun to cover. One thing that really makes me think about, and we could probably end it here, is that was one of the things that I always loved about being in the Yankees clubhouse. And that's one of the things that as long as this pandemic goes on or whatever, and we're doing all of our you know, communication with the team over Zoom, you know, you don't notice as much. But I love being in that clubhouse to see just how global sport baseball was. It was so obvious when you would stand in that room and you would have, you know, when I first started here, my first season, the Yankees had Ichiro, Kuroda, and Tanaka all around 
you know, obviously you have players from Puerto Rico, you have players from Colombia, you have players from Venezuela, you have players from the United States. And and when you say the United States, you have uh, Clint Frazier from Georgia and you have Aaron Judge from Linden, California. And those are very different places. And I liked that. And I always enjoyed the different sounds in the clubhouse and the different conversations and the interest that it would give me to better my Spanish and to figure out ways to talk to these guys on their terms. But it it is very special to see that global game in a sense. And to know that when you talk to a Masahiro Tanaka and you, and you try to learn about him, you're learning about a very different person than you are when you're talking to a Jordan Montgomery. And and that's a wonderful thing of storytelling. And it's something that I loved. And it, it is simply harder now when you do this stuff on zoom to appreciate who these guys actually are and to catch them in candid moments and to see, to hear their laugh. Like I, my favorite thing in covering baseball is CC Sabathia's laugh. And you don't get that on a zoom as much. And it's just one more thing, you know, as we sit here, like I said, to kind of come full circle here, enjoying spring training from, you know, our houses instead of from Tampa. It's, it's one more thing that you lose. And in the case of a guy like Tanaka, that it's just sad because it, it's not something that just, you know, you and I as reporters are losing, but obviously all Yankees fans are. And I wish him nothing but the best back in Japan. But I do hope that one way or another, we get to see him again somehow. Couldn't agree more with you about the fact that, you know, being in a clubhouse and being around guys from all over the globe is one of the coolest things about this job. It's one of my absolute favorite parts. I mean, you've heard me talk many times about how much I love National Geographic, and it's because it takes me to places where I'll, I'll never get to in my life. And having the opportunity on a near daily basis to talk to guys from places I may never see in my entire life and learn about different cultures and uh, just how they got to the Bronx, uh, it's fascinating. It really is one of the, the the best parts of this job. And yeah, it is, it's definitely been harder uh, over the last year to, to tell those stories and to have those interactions. But uh, you know, I think things are trending in the right direction here. The story, Nate is stoking the fire. It is great. It is in the spring issue and spring training issue of Yankees magazine, which if you head to George M. Steinbrenner field, it is available to purchase during a Yankees game. Or of course you can get it by calling 800 go Yanks or going to yankees.com slash publications. Nate, it's been uh, awesome talking to you. It's been awesome enjoying uh, some thoughts on spring training and it's been fun talking about stories in the magazine and, and it's nice to know we can do this for the next seven or eight months, I guess. Let's uh, let, let's extend this long into October, this conversation about the 2021 Yanks. What do you say? Sounds great to me, John. Good talking to you. Perfect. Well, I'll speak to you soon. And for everyone else, thanks for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast, which is part of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. If you're not already subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcast or at yankees.com slash podcast. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email, podcast at yankees.com. And for our Yankees Magazine subscribers, very soon now you should be receiving the spring issue. It really means the 2021 season is uh, ready for its first pitch. If you're not a subscriber, why not join us right now? Call 800-GO-YANKS or visit yankees.com slash publications. There are all kinds of deals and packages available. You're definitely going to want to get a new subscription, renew your subscription, or buy a subscription for someone else as a gift. Our stories are also online, yankees.com slash magazine. You can check out the story we just discussed, Stoking the Fire, when it goes online early next week. And you can check out all of our archives and see so many stories from the past years. I hope you'll do that. Of course, also follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine, where you'll be able to keep up with everything we have going on in these next few weeks. That's it. See you next time and go Yanks. Hi, this is Luke Voigt. If you like what you're hearing, 
why don't you rate and review us? And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, and go Yankees. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.